passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most restless sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, yeah, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, who is officially back, because tonight was the reindoctrination <laughs> by covering Dynamite for two hours, and here we are, minutes after. I'm seeing double. Uh, I, my head's spinning. How are you, Wei? Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing as a, a, you know, I'm I'm okay. I'm stammering a little because yeah, I I'm not necessarily haven't had this pace of rushing from, you know, the end of the show to trying to get everything ready to to go live 5 minutes after. I mean, we didn't make it everybody if you're watching in the archive. We're starting at 10:08 today, but um I'm not this is what you're going to get. That's it. That's right. Well, we are we are back. We have a a show to cover from Hoffman Estates. This is the week everyone's going to call it Chicago, but let's let's keep it. Uh, let's let's give a shout out to the Hoffman Estaters out there that are want their 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 township or whatever you want to designate it represented. Whatever you know, I mean Chicago. Whatever, it's fine. How are you doing overall? Doing all right. Yeah, uh, not so bad. Um, I. Uh... I I did a big catch up on watching AEW from the past month today, yesterday, and today. So I from was, the past uh, month, yeah. Well, mainly just Dynamite. You know, on Rampage, I, I couldn't even bother. But yeah, I just did a big catch up um, from now until then. So a lot of it's still fresh. Okay, let me ask you this: catching up on all of this and primarily mm-hmm. relying on Dynamite, um, did you find were, were there any blind spots without Rampage to piece? everything together or were you were you up to date on everything through dynamite i i have to say there were certain things actually okay. and, and i ended up um you know reading reports from our side of course or other uh, things just to kind of fill in some of the gaps because i will say um dynamite tends to not really hold your hand if you miss something you know if you if you didn't uh see sunny kiss join the trust busters i mean it you're just gonna have to assume you know this happened uh, for that matter like a lot of things that happen on dark they just kind of automatically bring onto tv without that much explanation so i wouldn't necessarily or, or, say or sometimes as i'll get into this show do an angle and then just forget about it the the next night on dynamite which there was an instance of tonight sure yeah and you know this goes back to i think their reluctance to rely so much on pre-produced video packages um this is not necessarily like a strength to, for me to say that, you know, you have to watch Rampage to see Sonny Kiss join the Trustbusters because I don't think that's any sort of hook. 
no pun intended for for that guy but like mm, uh, to me like it's 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 become very noticeable maybe seeing some of the production differences between uh wwe under the new regime versus an AEW. and not to say that everything is great under the, this paul paul Lebeck regime but i think he is keeping much of what wwe did well and that is the constant hammering of what you missed this is what you missed that's relevant to the story that you're about to follow up on tonight um AEW pretty much kind of does none of that and rather than like you know having the uh, providing incentive for people to watch rampage to watch to see some sort of like minor detail instead i i just find myself pretty apathetic towards it all and not even really caring about you know this 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 group show um you know showing up for no reason so i have to say like um it's it's really still a show based on like in-ring product and and that's their bread and butter all the other storytelling stuff is nice especially like when it comes to the main main matches but like everything else on the undercard it's just like you you follow along if you choose to otherwise i mean you know just watch the wrestling i guess I think it's also a case, and it's only growing that much more over the past several months, is the disparity that you also have to compare Dynamite with Rampage. I would say Rampage, if you're just judging it on a vacuum, it's like we always say, like it's a fairly enjoyable show, but you're coming off of Dynamite that is so packed. And it's not like it's like there's a ton of in ring content to it, but there's tons of like story advancement, the news, you're tailor made to understand that the big. The big angles, the big news, that's going to happen on Dynamite. And Mm -hmm. Rampage is going to be largely matches that you might enjoy. You're not going to... You know, necessarily think you're you're not entertained for an hour. But we're talking about a a crowded market where it's not great wrestling. It's what am I getting out of this hour? Is it going to be something that... um, as as a fan of this product that i'm i'm getting key elements of progressions and news and it's it's a must see show and i think they've more so gotten away from that and they've also i think taken a lot of those elements and it's just piled onto dynamite which is just so much there's more of a discrepancy between 1 and 2 than there was i would say even like 6 or 8 months ago as compared to now sure yeah yeah i, I you know a lot of this i wonder um if it was Tony, if it's Tony Khan simply looking at the results of after, you know, a year of, of Rampage and seeing that, hey, no matter what we do, we're not necessarily going to get over the hump. So why, you know, put so much effort into, you know, promoting something that people are likely to either DVR or maybe not necessarily pay that much attention to when we should be focusing more of our efforts on Dynamite itself. Um, but I mean, at this point, we can firmly say that it's a B show. And, you know, as B shows go, you you choose to watch it if, if there's a, on occasion something hot enough or if you're diehard, you watch every single one or you you might be satisfied not watching anything at all. So with all of that said, and you are like you're in a, you're in a real fight right now. It's it's the first time I would say that that AEW like they are, you know, I think the, the momentum has, has shifted like it feels like mm-hmm. WWE has the hot hand at the moment. And I would say that it's. Like the the Ring of Honor subject has kind of just been sidelined for the time being. You're not hearing a whole lot of discussion about it. And I would argue that timing-wise, I think that's the last thing Tony Khan needs in his world right now. Like you are in this fight, and it's it's not gonna be too far away before you're getting into your your round of negotiations. And it's to me, I do not want to see this guy booking a whole nother promotion. Like if you've got these great ideas, it should be on your bread and butter, which is AEW and I'd say, you know, for 
for for the talent, yeah, I'm I'm sure you would love to have another hour somewhere that is Ring of Honor specific, but for the health of your own company and for Tony Khan that it just seems has piled on so much, like I, I would not want to be adding any more booking to his plate right now. Hmm. Right. I I I think I, I have some confidence in that if if Ring of Honor ever got off the ground, you know, I, I would hope that he would at some point be able to delegate some of those duties or at least create some sort of committee to be able to, you know, handle the day to day so that it's not just him doing all the all the booking. But speaking about the sort of like, you know, um, health of the company, the reason why he acquired ROH and the reason why he's doing all of this is to try to get more TV deals, to get more money to fund the company. And I mean, it's, you know, like none of this was necessarily planned. It seemed like he had an opportunity to to purchase ROH, an opportunity to invest something to potentially make more money for, to fund AEW in the future. And, you know, who could have foreseen this uh, Warner Discovery merger and, you know, this uh, David Zaslav um, cost cutting that that's taking place right now, which has completely changed the conversation about, you know, never mind like ROH, but just simply renegotiation for AEW. Have you heard about these funeral screenings they're doing for Batgirl? I have not. No. So what? what? What's what's that? I guess like people that are attached to the movie are going to be able like they're going to do some like screenings, like private screenings for those like involved. I don't I don't know all the uh, the specifics about it, but wow. I I almost wonder like if there will be at some point they will they will release like they this has you know in a weird roundabout way like created that much like people that had no desire to ever see Batgirl would Mm -hmm. now it's like it's the it's the idea of we're taking something away from you whether you wanted it or not it's being taken away from you so therefore you want it it's become its own story you know almost like a a bit of a thing of urban legend the lost Batgirl movie which um from at least what I heard, like through test screenings, was was not that well received. Of course, it it was also incomplete. So I don't know. Are they going to? They're not going to spend the money to finish some any of those special. No, oh, just put it out as is. People are going to just see it based on the novelty, maybe. Yeah, this will be one of those things that'll be circulating on the internet. I mean, DVDs aren't necessarily bootlegged anymore, but um, I, maybe at some point, one of these uh people who worked on it will sneak in a cell phone and and try to get a copy of that thing out. All right. Um. Just a uh, heads up for the schedule that is coming up this week on Thursday. It is MCU later as She-Hulk continues. Uh, She-Hulk will be seeing the light of day the entire season. So that, that that's a positive for Disney Plus subscribers. And then on Friday, we have Rewind to SmackDown. Way and I will be live and uh, previewing the weekend as well as chatting SmackDown and Rampage. Saturday, it will be a show for post-wrestling cafe members. That will be our Clash at the Castle post-show with Mr. Ting and I. And then Sunday, we've got WrestleNomics during the day. And Sunday night, it will be the All Out post-show with Braden and Davey joining the two of us to go over All Out. And we will also chat about World's Collide. That uh, is a kind of interesting card now coming off of a Tuesday's NXT 2.0. And also want to make mention that the long and winding Royal Road will also be dropping this weekend with Daniel Makabe joining WH Park. So it is a, a packed weekend at Post Wrestling. And if that's not all, my interview with Michael Landsberg, the former host of TSN's Off the Record. Uh, we will be releasing that for everybody on Friday. But for Post Wrestling Cafe members, it might just be in your feed right now. Oh, very exciting. Yes, of course, it is the first of the month, which means it is the best time to join the Post Wrestling Cafe. This is uh, the the place that you can go to to support 
the post wrestling website as well as all of the the people that that help us contribute to it and uh as john mentioned we'll have bonus shows for clash at the castle this weekend as well as rewind to smackdown and mcu later as well uh rewind away returns next week next tuesday and then maybe even an edition of talk at some Ooh. point later on this month yeah, it's going to be a packed month at the Post Wrestling Cafe. So uh, $6 gets you in the door for access to all of the bonus shows that we put out each week. That includes Rewind to SmackDown and MCU Later, as well as plenty of other uh, bonus content. So postwrestlingcafe.com, uh, go check it out there. And uh, we, we are in the development process as well. Way and I are putting our heads together. We had a nice uh, two-hour discussion yesterday about life, about the future, and, uh, and the Post Wrestling Cafe. So stay tuned. Is that a good host? Great hook. Love it. Yes. Um, I also think you should drive next week. I was thinking about this after we had our, our, our discussion today. Mm-hmm. I feel I will be the, potentially the note taker next week. And I was thinking about this because we are going to do rewind to dynamite in the car next week. So that's always, that's always a fun time. So I don't know if I can drive and I, I, I don't think I can take I, part of me wants to go to this show and not even try to take notes, but I feel I need to take at least something, but God knows how this will go next Wednesday. As I was thinking about it tonight, as I was, furiously trying to do this from my couch and assuming how we will do this live next week. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm expecting a bit different type of rewind to dynamite next week. You know, I, I, I would encourage you, John, you know, to, to take as sparse notes as you can. And, and I don't know time. how to do this show without notes. I really don't. I, I don't think I could just mm-hmm. do this one off the top of my head. Yeah, no, I know. But I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of it more just as a conversation, you know, between you and I, two people who just re- attended the the show in Buffalo. So, um, we'll be, we'll be setting that up and hopefully the border guards will have no issues with us, uh, recording. Maybe, our we'll, podcast. Ju- maybe we'll just, we'll, we'll just put Brandon in the back seat and we'll just drive in circles around Buffalo and chat about, uh, dynamite <laughs> and then we will depart. Yeah. I hear it's a wonderful town. So sure. Yes. Why not? There you go. That's uh, that, that is coming up. So there you have it, everybody. Postwrestling.com. The whole schedule is up there and all of the latest news items from Andrew Thompson. Go check all of that stuff out. Uh, but a couple news and notes off the top. I just want to make mention and uh, send our best wishes to uh, Impact star Joe Doring. Uh, a number of years ago, he had battled brain cancer. And it's really unfortunate news that uh, apparently the cancer has returned and he's going to be uh, taking time away from Impact Wrestling. So, um they just put out th- this note on, on Tuesday. So our best wishes uh, to Joe Doring. That's just uh, really, really unfortunate news. He's been uh, part of Impact for quite a while now with the Violent by Design group and, you know, has has been somebody that has been, you know, a guy that, that came up uh, wrestling in, in, Detroit, in Windsor, in, in Detroit, and then making it really big in uh, all Japan and having this latest run with Impact. So our best wishes are with Joe Doring. Uh, another... Uh, uh, another sad note to, to start off as well is the passing of Alan Denkinson, uh, someone I w- was not familiar with. But for those, especially in the Southern California scene, um, he was a regular at all PWG shows. Uh, PWG even put out uh, a notice tonight just acknowledging his passing and that he had been to almost all of their shows over the last decade. And he was actually a very uh, prominent figure within like the betting world uh, to the point that when that movie lay, the favorite came out, he, he was the inspiration for Bruce Willis's character. Um, he was also involved in promoting uh, at the independent level with a quintessential pro and had entered hospice care in early July and uh, just passed away. So our condolences to him uh, as well, especially for those that, uh, that knew him personally in the, in the Southern California wrestling scene. 
Ratings notes from Monday. Uh, Raw did a phenomenal number. They did 2,107,000 viewers yet again, first on cable with a 0.59 in the demo. And this was their second most watched Raw of the entire year. This was even ahead of the night after WrestleMania. And the most watched was the night after SummerSlam that did have a lot of, you know, you're coming off the big pay-per-view. It was also kind of the kind of unofficial, official start of the new Paul Levesque regime. This week, it was, you know, you had some stuff. You had the tournament final. You had Kurt Angle on the show. But this, to me, way is just more in this. Like, there's just momentum on the side, and it's especially being felt with Raw, not as much SmackDown. Like, this, to me, is just encouraging of just there's overall very high interest. Uh, their 18 to 34 numbers, both on NXT and Raw, were very strong this week. And um, they also did a very good number in Canada, over 255,000 viewers. So, you know, Raw has been the biggest beneficiary of, you know, of all the different metrics. It's the one that is consistently performing. I mean, in my opinion, you know, obviously a lot of the McMahon stuff has uh, hit the mainstream and, and encouraged a lot of people to check it out. But I don't think you can sustain something like this unless the actual show was improved. And to me, it very much has been. Um, so maybe people are actually, you know, being attracted to, to the product. And personally, watching it myself, like there is an air of excitement to see, even for something like a Clash at the Castle, what big booking decisions long term this new regime is building towards because for the first time it feels like this is a company with all their tremendous resources um now they are without a handicap you know they are free to actually under the hands of somebody competent um use their immense amount of talent and budget to their full ability so to me that's very exciting NXT on Tuesday night, they did 676,000 viewers and a 0.15 in the demo. And what's really interesting is that, you know, it, it's it's been noted like just that overall cable viewership has has been down this summer and a 0.15 uh, correlated to NXT finishing sixth among cable originals on Tuesday. And if you go back exactly a year, a 0.15 would have been good for 29th place on hmm. cable. So wow. I mean, it's it's a credit that NXT is appearing to hold up better than other uh, cable programming this summer. But it also just tells you like where like overall viewership is down, where this this like their ranking is going higher. But it, it's not so much like these numbers are exploding for NXT. They're kind of just flatlining. But that's that's a gain when everybody else is is going down so much. So uh, they were against the uh, the U.S. Open tennis tournament, which um is all built around uh, Serena w- Williams, who is uh, taking a leave after after this tournament and was playing tonight. So that is, uh, I saw a ton of uh, activity on my timeline of following this tennis game. So that is uh, the big sporting event that is going on this week. But uh, NXT did um, a very big number in 18 to 34. Um, they were up 7% in the demo and pr- pretty much flat with uh, their overall viewership. Uh, from last week, but uh, NXT 2.0, I will say it was in terms of a go home show where I typically judge it by the end of the show. Am I more intrigued to see the event that they're promoting? And I thought they did a fairly strong job on on Tuesday night of building up to this Worlds Collide pay-per-view. They relied on a ton of cameos on this show. You had everyone from um, Finn Balor showing up. Rhea Ripley, you had uh, Pete Dunne, who was 
pretty much Pete Dunn. Like there was no essence of the Butch character as he was giving a uh, pep talk to Tyler Bate and just uh, Shayna Baszler showing up and all of them emphasizing to the champion or the person that they were speaking to how important these title unification matches are and trying to really get over that element. So it just seemed like they had this talent at their disposal uh, and used them very well. And then it culminated with uh, Carmelo Hayes, who has been complaining online about not being booked on this show, coming out and being confronted by Ricochet uh, to set up that match for Sunday. So it's a it's a pretty nice card that they have for for Sunday. I guess this is the one that does this sort of get lost in the shuffle this week where there is just so much wrestling going on that if if you are one that can only take so much wrestling, this is probably the show that loses out when you have a WWE and AEW show happening on back-to-back nights. It's possible, but you know, at the same time, we've had weekends like this where you know everybody tries to piggyback off the other, and um, you know, um, you might have a greater interest in wrestling overall for the entire weekend. So, I mean, it just seems like to me it's NXT using the opportunity, like much like they had in the past, to piggyback off of the WWE pay per view weekend to catch some of the the excitement, um, and. You know, much like I think what we just discussed with WWE Raw and SmackDown, it makes all the sense in the world that you would use your stars to help promote. Um, I mean, if this at this point is the B show, you know, Raw and SmackDown, I, I would consider very much kind of on par A shows. If we're talking about a B show, it would be NXT. And for it, it, it's just been completely strange to me how for the entire existence of 2.0 it, it it's been so sequestered often its own thing its own universe even uh from what what had taken place in the uh, uh what takes place on the main roster that um we're starting to see at least a, a few bridges you know between the two with uh, last night's and and the prior night's episodes and it's it, it's making it feel like it's a big deal you know even even if it's not be promoting it as a third brand on the level of the other two um promoting it as you know quote unquote the minor leagues but with like a direct sort of uh line and lineage and connection to the main roster it makes it feel that much more important so the card for Sunday has uh, Tyler Bate and Braun Breaker to unify the uh, the NXT UK and NXT titles. Uh, Mako Satomura, Mandy Rose, and Blair Davenport to unify the women's titles. Katana Chance and Caden Carter defending the NXT women's tag titles against Dewdrop and Nikki Ash, who walked out and, dude, this crowd at the Performance Center. It was like, dude, Hogan and Rock have shown up at the Performance Center. Like, dude, if you're on the main roster, you are a superstar to these uh, couple hundred people at at the performance center and no uh, hint of the the two having like they had their big like shouting match in the background on Friday after losing the the four way, but they were on the same page here. So maybe they lose on Sunday and then we continue the breakup on, on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs against the Creed brothers against pretty deadly against Gallus for to unify the tag titles. And then Carmelo Hayes against Ricochet. So I would say like this, this looks like a, a pretty nice card for, for Sunday. When we're talking about, you know, strictly raw talent. I mean, when you have to whittle this vast roster, even in a 2.0 level down to five matches and you couple in a Ricochet and also, you know, a Mako Satabora in there, like you're not really going to go wrong. You know, the, the NXT UK roster, at least um, the people that they brought over are tremendously strong in ring. So this this you know, does not necessarily just feel like a, a show put on by rookies. Um, these these are industry veterans. 
And providing they don't add any more, five matches starting at four Eastern, I don't think you're going to, you know, cut into any of the AEW show, including the pre-show. Probably by design, yeah. So there you have it. That is uh, that is Worlds Collide. So we will be chatting about that on Sunday. Uh, but let's get into Dynamite. Night one of three from the Now Arena. Um, the the last check at, at WrestleTix, it doesn't look like any of the three nights are sold out, although the pay-per-view looks fairly close. And part of that was up until a couple of days ago, the remaining tickets were all in those bundles. Like if you wanted to go to the pay-per-view, you had to buy tickets for the other two nights. And that was an interesting decision on their part. And I think now you can buy the the individual nights. And I would expect the pay-per-view, they will they will fill out the those remaining tickets. But um does not look like that will be the case for Rampage and was not tonight in terms of full of what the arena can hold. I suppose like last year is really like a, a bit of an anomaly to try to compare it to just kind of given, you know, the the whole punk thing and, and Brian and everything. But um, do you have a sense of like whether or not, you know, this year, um, like is the market being oversaturated too much is, is, is what I'm trying to ask. You know, Chicago, are we starting to see, to see diminishing returns? I don't think that this one has the the appeal of last year's show, and I don't think that's um, you know I I think it's twofold. Number one, it it was near impossible that you could replicate what last year had. It was just such an in, in uh, an anomaly with with CM Punk. He can only come back one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but but interest I think overall is is like lower with, with AEW on on top of that. Um, like I you could certainly argue that I would say if you're running the pay per view. Um, like I wouldn't say Chicago's an issue. Maybe it's like three nights. Maybe we are looking at that. Like that is a big ask of people. And it was uh, to me like it. It was a calculated decision to do like the the bundling. Where you know if you're if you're a traveler, um, you you're not coming in for Wednesday necessarily. Like maybe the mm-hmm. Friday you're gonna make it, but maybe maybe not. Like for a lot of people, it's like the pay per view is the draw. Yeah, it would be for me. Moxley comes out to start the show and you know it's a mixed reaction plenty of punk chants and you know he's he's playing like the heel role here as as the crowd like they're they're kind of battling with each other and he says that they're still mopping punk off the mat in Cleveland and he mocked punk calling himself the 60 minute man Moxley had 57 minutes left in him last week while punk didn't I'm the heart and soul of AEW where guys find out what they're made of I took punk's best shot it wasn't enough, and he looked for a way out. He folded. He crawled up into a little ball to die. Champions never <laughs> fold. He had so many great lines in this. So many. He says, Punk didn't turn out to be what everyone wanted him to be. He was given a second chance in the greatest sport in the world, but it didn't work out. I have zero sympathy for CM Punk. Fragile body, weak mind, weak spirit and he pulls out an open contract that he has signed for all out and he's just going to leave it here in the center of the ring maybe rocky can get me someone from new japan and says that he can out marathon out sprint and out wrestle you and wrestling john moxley might be hazardous to your health i was waiting for him to pull out the gas mask to emphasize this point oh, he, he did geez. not and you have been warned in reference to whoever signs this contract. And the segment ends with Ace Steel, who was about to have the biggest night of his entire career. He comes yes. out, takes this contract, and goes to the back. And um, you no, know, it, it was funny because like I was like 
get, getting like a text of like, I don't know if everyone really like in the arena knew even who this was that came out and took the contract and um, conveying this to the live crowd. Um, because as soon as he pulls out this, this contract, you would have think the whole locker room is emptying. That's right. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, it's maybe it's a long way to, to, to go gorilla uh, back there for, for instance. Um, but, you know, a steel, like they did have him appear last week, you know, uh, holding punk back. So again, this is a show that is very much catered towards the type of fan that was trading ROH DVDs. Um, in the, the ones that, uh, that, that know who Vic Capri is uh, being used in a six man mess. Yeah. I, I, they, they will eventually fill you in, but like this, the, maybe, maybe it required um, maybe even that much more of an establishment of Ace, who a steel was in relation to punk than just him being pulled apart. And, you know, um, Excalibur saying, Oh, that's his friend, a steel uh, for this he, moment. He did to bring it up in the, in the segment. He did identify who he was. So they did do it like in the body. Yeah. Of the segment but i understand like you could have maybe given a little background last week as well for those that maybe don't know who he is i i appreciate that like it's so funny because like i think when aew began we were so much complaining about aew hand holding us every single step of the way and not giving its audience any sort of credibility or, or or um like any any sort of like benefit of the doubt that they could piece things together themselves aew i kind of feel has taken things a bit too much the other way or it's relying a lot uh, of of your casual fan to um figure out what a lot of these pieces mean um you know who who exactly is this person that's picked up this contract that might or might not be a, a close relationship to cm punk um in other case they it all made sense by the end of the night so i don't think it's it's that big of a, a point of contention i thought mox's promo was amazing the man sounds so good. He is so, first of all, consistent in ring and varied in ring. But in, in a promo as a champion, his voice is everything you want in a champion. That level of confidence and swagger is is everything you want in somebody who fully believes that they are like the best wrestler in the world. And he, he just exudes it right now. He was so good that I came out of this not feeling much sympathy for CM Punk nor much of a desire to want to see Punk regain that title. Because I'm hearing Mox make these points, and I'm like, you're right, dude. Like, you closed this chapter. This was definitive. You beat the shit out of that guy. Let's move on. There were people in the crowd chanting MJF to pick up the contract instead. And, I mean, I know it's not going to be him, of course, but it almost tells me that there's, like, more exciting options right now out there than a CM Punk because they booked CM Punk to look so weak last week. Um Chicago, obviously, you know, will give Punk the benefit of the doubt. But me as somebody without necessarily that tie, I'm not as excited about CM Punk re-challenging for the championship. So I don't know if you feel that way, John. Uh, well, we'll get into it uh, later uh, w- w- with the segment and, and setup. But I-, I thought this promo was uh, fantastic. And uh, as much as people will talk about, like, the-, the trios match later, like, the the success or failure of this show was on John Moxley and CM Punk. They were the most important mm-hmm. people on this show to sell this match on on Sunday. And your your feeling at the end will determine uh, that that conclusion. Shivani's with Jericho backstage, and he answers Danielson's question from last week about what Stu Hart and Owen Hart would think about him. And he thinks they would be more impressed with Jericho's accolades that he's accomplished in his career. Daniel Garcia enters to apologize for being immature. He is pledging his allegiance to the Jericho Appreciation Society. He knows that Jericho will beat Danielson, and he doesn't need anyone's help or cheat to because he can win on his own. And Jericho... Bringing on in his latest catchphrase, 
all is fair and in wrestling and romance. Mm-hmm. War. Yeah, maybe Tenryu coming in to join the JAS. Yeah. Um, yes, the ultimate sports entertainer, uh, Jinichiro Tenryu. Uh, mm-hmm. yes. So he was he was repeating this line during a commentary in the next match. So this this looks to be his next his next catchphrase to get over. I love it. You know, it's a tie into the whole Lionheart thing. Um, and again, a nod to the, to this is a promotion like you know built for tape traders from from the nineties and and two thousand. So um, we all got it and we all loved it. Yes, I, I feel I feel before the end of this guy's like AEW run, we will get Super Liger, Chris Jericho. The biggest flop I mean, in his career that he would identify. I, you know, they have the New Japan tie, and I'm sure Liger would love to come in for just just that excuse. Brian Danielson against Jake Hager with a Jer- with a Jericho and Regal on commentary. Uh, Danielson hits a, a tope suicida coming off the apron, and then he leaps off, is caught by Hager, who puts him through the timekeeper's table and smashes him into the post. We go through the picture-in-picture, picture, and Hager is on the turnbuckle chopping Danielson, and then he just holds up his hand, and the camera zooms in on his hand. It's like, yes, this is a big hand that he is chopping him with, and we have... Taking a break in the play to emphasize the size of this hand, uh, Danielson comes I, I back. I think with- that's important. Come on, don't yeah. you? Like, I mean, the, the bigger the bigger the, we- the weapon, the harder the the attack. I guess Danielson responds with a missile drop kick, some leg kicks, and then goes to the triangle power bomb by Hager, who's uh, using ground and pound. Danielson tries to catch him with the label lock, but can't get the 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 fingers gripped. So Hager gets a ankle lock. That's reversed into the label lock, and Hager struggles and makes his way to the rope. Danielson goes for the running drop kicks, and on his last attempt, runs into the head and arm setup by Hager. And Danielson with another reversal on top of him with a cover, and then hits the Busaiku knee to pin Hager in ten minutes and forty six seconds, beating rock hard Jake Hager. Rock hard, yes. Uh, fun little match, very simple, you know. Um, um, just kind of made to to boost Brian after um, uh, those matches uh, ahead of the pay per view. Um, the crowd participation was also very strong in this one, making the Brian comebacks really, really uh, enjoyable. Yeah, I, I like the grappling sequences that they had, and you know, for Hager who has you know a handful of single matches, singles matches per year. Uh, this was this, was this nice. is his role in AEW. He's a big guy, you know, who can be very athletic, who can dominate matches, and then job to you know your your your, your actual featured acts like like a Brian. Menard and Parker run down attacking Danielson and Jericho reminds them all is fair in wrestling and romance. This prompts Claudio and Wheeler Yuta to get involved. Jericho comes down with a chair and everyone else leaves. So it's him and Danielson. When Daniel Garcia runs down, takes the chair from behind Jericho, telling him he doesn't need to cheat. The whole crowd starts chanting yes, because Jericho's back is turned to Danielson. And when he turns around, gets blasted with the Busaiku knee and Daniel Garcia realizes that he caused all of this. So he is uh, still caught in the middle and I would imagine has a, a presence in this match on on Sunday. Oh, very much so. This this whole feud, I mean, is even though the match is, is you know, Brian and Jericho, this whole feud really is about Daniel Garcia and whatever character um, transformation he's about to go under. He has been, I think, really good with his acting in this entire story. You know, his ability to just kind of facially express his, his him being torn between both sides. He's showing a really good ability on the microphone and in terms of the non-wrestling itself that, that has really impressed me over the past month. 
He just did an interview with Bleacher Report, and he brought this up, that one of the things he has learned from Jericho is that he can watch Jericho's promos on mute mm. and understand. And that's been a big focus of his is how to how to emote, how to convey mm-hmm. what you're feeling without just being relying on, on the words. And when he said that, it so clicked because it's something that we've observed with, with Daniel Garcia is that you can really see this this guy conveying things. And it was evident here when he when he screwed up here with with Jericho and, and what he caused. So that yep. it was an interesting point for him to bring up. We come back from break. The wingmen are in the ring. Caesar Benone, Peter Avalon, Ryan Nemeth, and J.D. Drake. And I watched Dark on Tuesday night, and I saw J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry, the work, the work horsemen, win their match and then cut a promo afterwards where J.D. Drake announced that he is going to be stepping away from the from the wingmen he's going to be focusing on teaming with anthony henry that's going to be his focus so 24 hours later he's right back here with the wingmen what the hell i i don't know they like he did this whole promo not to say he was like he was removing himself from what but he essentially was like i'm i'm less focusing on the wingmen this is my priority the tag team so 24 hmm. hours later he is uh he is protesting and willing to walk out so they're complaining about getting no television time which seems to be a running theme for uh the heel of the week that they they just complain about not being on tv and i think ethan page was the last one who complained about not getting any television time and so mm-hmm. he doesn't get television time Nemes says that they're not booked again, and with that, they get interrupted by W. Morrissey. The worst name in pro wrestling. Like, fresh start, new name. Come on. Anything. Just Morrissey. Morrissey's fine, if you can get away with being Morrissey. But W. Morrissey? This this is the, the worst name. It's it, it, no, it's up there. We should have a category for worst stuff for worst wrestling name and like chant um, this, like honestly chant this and imagine this guy heel or babyface. Like this is just not a good name. Uh, I'm trying to think. Morrissey is very chantable. Sure, um, Morrissey's fine. But get, drop the W. <laughs> w yeah. Morrissey. I'm going to see W Morrissey wrestle tonight. He's my favorite. W Morrissey. You know, as somebody who who's grown up with with um with this letter in his name, I mean. W is a bit of an awkward letter to chant. You know, if it was like X. <laughs> You've got X a very Morrissey. chantable name, though. <laughs> Fine, sure. But I'm not W Ting. I'm not asking you to call me. <laughs> w like, Ting. W, W. That's like three syllables. You know, that's way too much to, to have to, you know, and it's too much of a mouthful. So really, the man should reconsider. So what is this? Is he signed to, to AEW? What's going on? What is this? Uh, I they they didn't put out a graphic, but he uh, I mean he disappeared from Impact. He left Impact like a while back, and I mean he he's he's looked good in Impact. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't know if it, he would be at the top of my list in in AEW to bring in. And you know, on this go home show, it felt very out of place. Every single hire that AEW was going to see from really like you know. Uh, earlier this year forward is is going to be met with a lot of scrutiny when I think you still have a lot of questions about, you know, people not having enough airtime. At what point, how do you justify bringing in somebody like a W. Morrissey? Um, I can understand this, you know, given the fact that big men are still a real commodity and especially big men that have a proven track record of working in front of TV, uh, a guy who could promo, a guy who looks as good as he does. He does really stand out when you see him, his presence in ring. So I can understand it. 
Um, but I'm sure, you know, for many people, the jury's still out when you have guys that are still in need of TV time. He comes down and he just destroys the wingmen. Stokely Hathaway is out trying to recruit Morrissey and Shivani asks Stokely, what are all these cards about that you're handing out? And Stokely says, it's none of his business. Tony says on this show, it is our business. And the crowd gets behind Tony and Morrissey leaves with Stokely Hathaway. So um, this just felt odd on this week when you're pushing so much on the pay-per-view that I feel by Sunday, this will be completely forgotten. But um, I I guess we will see how much they go with with W. Morrissey. And I need to know what's on these business cards that he can convince these men to join him simply by flashing them to them in like the spit, you know, in the span of like two seconds. It's a QR code. And Morrissey is that like curious. He's he's like, okay, I'll join you. Yeah, if someone gave you a QR code. I got a phone in the back. I'd be curious. (laughs) Like, I wonder what this this entails. I'll check this out. Even in Squid Game, I mean, I th- you know, it takes some like t- it took a whole you know scene to really kind of convince people to to sign up for something like this. But like you know, Morrissey like is just happy to follow along like this. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. What do you think? What do you think is the end end result of this whole Stokely thing? Uh, I mean, obviously he's building a faction, you know, out of uh, Morrissey. But is it, is that the, something the to be that? But is that something to be so secretive about? Like he got very straight up like angry at Tony's asking of the question here. It's got to be uh, bigger than that. Well, maybe he's poaching them. Maybe maybe he's delivering them to Paul or something. Okay. Hmm. Alex Marvez is in the locker room with Will Ospreay and Ozzy Open, and he jokes about uh, the cease and desist that he's received, and he's finally here. Uh, Don Callis enters. He's admired what Will has been doing and says, some call you the next Kenny Omega. I think you're your own man and the person that everyone is talking about and expects tonight to be the most exciting match since the last time you were in a tag with Kenny Omega, and I believe you were hit with a one-winged angel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what is your read on this, John? You know, obviously we're going to get more between Osprey and, and, and Omega co- coming out of this show. What is Don Callis' role between the two? I mean, the natural seems to be that Callus could betray Kenny Omega, who's broken down, and he's now, um, you know, he's the horse that's being taken to the glue factory, and he's got his new horse here in Will Ospreay. Hmm. Interesting. Who's? Um. Yeah. I, I mean, didn't mean for such a graphic analogy, but I mean, it's uh, it's one of those analogies that stood the test of time. But I don't know if it's the most PC. I guess if we're comparing injuries, you know, like I, I mean, to me, it's like you know, Kenny Omega is like uh, Will Ospreay in five years. Really, if if that, so he might well, have to. Callus is thinking in in small small increments of time. You, you mm. can get, you know, Osprey's twenty nine. Get a few years out of this guy before he's broken down, and then I can recruit, uh, you know, Dante right. Martin or Daniel Garcia. Hmm, it's interesting. Doctor Britt Baker and Jamie Hader versus Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida. Uh, there was this nasty looking Rana spot by Sheeta to Jamie Hader, who just smashed herself into the apron, uh, into the mat. Um, but she got up, continued the match, so appeared to be okay. But this was uh, not, the, not the smoothest of starts to this match. Uh, from there, uh, Hader trips Storm from the floor. The heels take over during the break. Uh, Storm with a tornado DDT to Hader and then makes the tag to Sheeta, who was very over with this crowd, hit a Meteora. Then Hader double suplexes the babyfaces 
Baker's in with the swinging neck breaker, and then Rebel puts the glove onto Baker, gets drilled with a Sheeta drop kick, and then Hader is yanked to the apron. Storm hits another tornado DDT, this time to Hader on the floor, and Sheeta is left with Baker, lands a spinning roundhouse kick, pinning Britt Baker, and they get the win. And the crowd was, they seemed very much into Hikaru Sheeta. Very much so. I mean, this to me felt like a match kind of designed to, you know, like her presence on, on Dynamite itself seems to have been pretty lacking uh, for the past little while. So this almost seemed like a way to just reintroduce her to the audience ahead of the pay-per-view match on Sunday. And uh, it was very successful. Her, um, It's a great opportunity for her. And all four of these women are very talented. So I'm sure the match on Sunday will be very solid. Kip Sabian was uh, his attack from Pac was was recapped and Sabian says he is a stickler for details and Pac fell for the simplest of ruses last week with the 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 decoy underneath the box. Pac responds that he has been pestered and Kip says that you will be the first to embrace the change on Sunday. So this will be on the pre-show. Pac against Kip Sabian after all of these months for the All Atlantic Championship. This is the biggest build ever to the most long-term build we've ever had for a pre-show match. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, um, I, I don't know if there's much that anybody can really do to get me too interested in the Kip Sabian match, but, um, I, I admire the commitment to, to this bit, you know, and, um, Ultimately, it'll be the in-ring quality uh, with him that I think will change my mind. And I'm uh, for a pre-show match, I think it's a good pre-show match. So um, let's see what he's got. We'll go over the whole card at the end of the show. And then Way's going to rank his uh, the top 14 matches on the show. From first <laughs> sure. to 14th. Uh, from there, we go to Miro, who is in his, uh, his dark lair, responding to the House of Black. He says, God made a deal with the devil to take him out. And he looks up. How is that working out for you, you coward? The front runner for feud of the year, Miro versus God. And Darby walks into the scene stating that Malachi Black needs Brody King and Buddy Matthews more than the two of them need Malachi Black and bringing up how everything Brody did to Darby, he did on his own. And then Sting enters, stating the enemy of our enemy is our friend. Showtime begins now. And Miro says this Sunday he will wreck fools and pagans and they will find out his power. And the trios match is set with the House of Black against Miro, Darby, and Sting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what have you thought about of, of these Miro promos? I, I typically enjoy the Miro promos. Um, it takes a few uh, sittings to get all of his lines out it's uh which is this crammed which, into it i for me it's i i like them too they're so they look so incredibly cool the delivery is so incredibly cool but maybe because like he's doing this in conjunction with the house of black promo which also is very much like kind of speaking in, like i don't know in in poetry that um an idiot like me can't necessarily um digest on on a professional wrestling show all the time it might have been too much like this is this almost feels like you know like the the beat poets the society um corner of the AEW universe and this and should them, be their name <laughs> and, and and them like you know having their little program um after after school um but the match will be crazy. It will be fun. You know, with the amount of talent that's there. And I think anytime Sting is involved in one of these things, it's on a pay-per-view. It, you know he's going to do something nuts. Then with uh, 
uh, 10 minutes before 9 Eastern, CM Punk walks out and he comes out. He is looking all disheveled. I mean, he looks terrible walking out and he gets into the ring. He looks all fallen from this loss last week. And he explains that on June 1st, he broke his foot and then wrestled an entire match. And the doctor told him he pulverized the bones in his foot. Pulverized. So he had surgery with three plates and 16 screws put into the foot. And then I guess somebody was throwing him off because he then detours and points out to this guy in the front row stating that the number 16 is still more times than this fat guy has ever gotten screwed in his life. And uh, the audience seemed like, dude, you're our hometown guy, but that sounds like a really shitty thing to say about uh, someone. Like, what could you, what could he have said that was so awful here that was uh, throwing you off? And he even had this moment where he like reflects and says, I probably shouldn't have said that. Mm -hmm. It's one of those lines where I think like, you know, on the one hand, I can appreciate how quick somebody like a CM Punk is in, in able to handle a heckler. And I don't even know what the heckler said at this point to, to know whether or not it's justified. I'm purely, purely talking about the sport. Yeah, it's not like we could hear him, but it's like it's it's amazing that he could – like this crowd was fairly loud here. It's amazing he yeah. could even hear or isolate what some one guy was saying. But I'm purely talking about the ability to um, – you know, part of wrestling is being able to handle the, the heckler. And and there's it's a lot. It's not easy to think on your feet with uh, sixteen screws in them. <laughs> that that is very true, John. So there's a level of like respect that I have. Um, at the same time, you know, this was almost like Punk kind of catching himself. Whereas a line like this, I think, would have been perfectly acceptable in 2005, 2010, even. Uh, we're a lot more sensitive now, and CM Punk is somebody who you know seems to vouch for um, you know very much like uh, people's rights and and, and inclusivity probably quickly caught himself and realized uh you know what that that probably wasn't that cool so um i i don't know if there's anything for me to judge there it's just simply per, perhaps a, something instinctive he did that maybe he quickly realized wasn't the best thing to say right now i i would say th th there's that element to it that certainly people are going to have that reaction on top of it it's like you were coming out here to cut the ultimate sympathetic babyface promo and this almost like forced this crowd to like well, you know this was a baby. This is still a baby face act to a lot of people. Again, we we don't know what the heckler said, and this was a crowd that loved CM Punk. Anyway it was there, there, there were definitely CM Punk chants after he did this. There were plenty yeah. of people that that enjoyed this uh this you know heckling the heckler, um, but he kind of just resets here uh and and moves on by saying he probably shouldn't have said that. But there's a lot of things I probably shouldn't have done, including coming back so quickly from injury. And notes, it's not See, the first... even, even that little transition yep. from saying I shouldn't have said that to getting back to the promo saying I also shouldn't have said. I mean, that really is brilliant. He says it's not the first time he's gotten beaten up in Cleveland and then says, was was my foot 100 percent? He says it was 100 percent. I was cleared, but it's a new 100 percent. And I'm unsure if that 100 percent is good enough. I had no idea what this meant. Okay. I, 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 I took it to mean that like he's cleared, his foot is good, but he still has self doubt about even him at hundred percent, whether or not he's good enough to beat Mox. I kind of assumed that was what he was making, but his 
the the they just I I am a hundred percent, but it's a new one hundred percent, and I'm unsure if this one hundred percent is good enough. I think this could have been worded a little right. bit better. And our footage on Rampage was that he felt the same feeling when he broke the foot. So I do mm-hmm. think this needed to be connected a bit better. That the foot mm-hmm. is okay. That he had a he had a scare, and maybe he was just in the moment taken back to that moment he broke his foot and his confidence was shattered. Whatever. Right. I think there was a better way to explain this and tie it into the the footage that they ran on Rampage because True. there really was no follow up on like you go off Rampage on Friday and you're assuming, oh, he broke his foot again. Honestly, it was another reason to tell you that if you stuck on if you tuned into Rampage to watch this punk thing, I mean, jokes. on I was actually really. penalized for watching Rampage <laughs> because it would have yeah. been an easier transition if I did not watch that on Friday. Yeah. So at this point, I'm like, this, this is like a really bad CM Punk promo, but it's almost like he's just completely lost. He's completely broken from yeah, this loss. He, yeah, yeah. He's disheveled. I, it's like not it himself. Is the intent here. So he explains that he came back a year ago because he loves this business, which doesn't always love you back. And I love you fans, except for, I guess, this one guy. And they do love me back. And I feel like I let you down. I couldn't walk my dog for two months. Maybe love isn't enough anymore. And with that comes Ace Steel marching down the aisle and gets into the ring. And he says, this is not what we spoke about that you were going to come out here and say. He introduces himself and says, I train this man. And says that Punk has fought through everything to get here. And Ace says that he has a career he's been proud of, but I'm most proud of this guy's career. We are family, and you didn't let family down. You didn't leave, let Chicago down. You filled an arena based off a rumor that you would return, and, you, and no one is letting you leave now. You lost in Cleveland, so what? It's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get up, and he slaps Punk, telling him, you Fucking get up. And he tells him to sign this open contract and fight John Moxley. And this whole place erupts in CM Punk chance. Dude, Ace Steel was just a star here with this promo. Where the fuck has Ace Steel been for the past 20 years? And why was he not signed up to some big Hollywood agency to play a role in, in the next Rocky movie or something like that. Holy shit. He was shit. awesome. He was, was awesome. And he had the handicap of, yes, there are going to be plenty of people that know who Ace Steel is. There are a lot that would not, like he's coming out cold for many people that have never heard him speak before. Mm-hmm. And this guy cut this amazing promo. Incredible, honestly. As you mentioned, John, you know, up until this point, this segment, I, I wasn't necessarily loving the whole idea of punk simply losing to mox in three minutes just to set up this comeback i personally to me it came across very manipulative and i wonder if the crowd started to feel that way too when you're talking about a character like cm punk who i think is you know based so much in reality to to just kind of go through like i don't know all the drama of like last week all the way just to kind of you know build up this mm, relatively cheap comeback story in my opinion i i wasn't the biggest fan of it but to me like the 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 incredible performance of a steel like brought an element of just like real talent and and something for me to actually like truly applaud because it was that good so to me he really did save this 
I had a lot of the same about the first half of this. Like the first half, like I thought this punk, it it didn't feel genuine. It Mm -hmm. it did feel very contrived. And you're also trying to speed through a story that could have been played out over weeks, if not months of him losing his confidence and Mm -hmm. coming back. And we've got to do this in 11 days. So yeah. you, you had that working against not eleven days, John. Like think about the cumulative amount of airtime that that they they had to really tell that story. But the second half of this, I, I just thought was so strong that by the end of it, Punk like hugs a steel, and then he just cuts like the ultimate promo. He starts screaming, "Before I was CM Punk." I was a punk rock kid in Chicago. I was born blue in the face with a cord around my neck because they've been trying to kill me since I was born. And they haven't found the man, man enough to do it yet. And John Moxley, you ain't him. And then he storms into the crowd stating, this is Chicago where the weak are killed and eaten. And he stands among the audience We are different kids, but have the same heartbeat, one pulse running through the streets of Chicago, and he will pump the blood until the blood starts, stops pumping. And John Moxley at All Out, you can't break my bones, you can't drink my blood, because we are Chicago. And this sounds very, like, uh, on its own, it just sounds ridiculous. Like a Disney movie? It totally does. It sounds like, you know, the, the heartfelt moment uh, with, with, the, with the music underneath. But, dude, this audience was losing their minds um, d- during this. And I, I thought this was a hell of a segment to uh, sell people on the match at the end. It's going to be this incredible uh, atmosphere for Sunday. And I think you have created, like, who is going to win? Like, I think that people are going to be torn about which way they go with Punk winning in his hometown or coming up short against like Moxie was so good in this whole lead up that Mm. I think people will believe like they they stay strong with Moxley because of how incredible he's been in this run as champion. So do you think they created that genre? Do you think that would have existed anyway? I think they had a lot of that. I don't know if this necessarily um, that this was a risk to do last week. Um like I, I believe this main event is in great shape, but I thought it was in great shape before last week. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going in a great direction, and I think we could have gotten here. And they're trying a story where I guess some of the the sympathy they were seeking of like Punk kind of losing confidence in himself. I just don't think you had the time to really flesh that out. And it was – I don't think it connected in the first half of this promo. But in the end, the audience was – as hot as ever for punk to go for his title on Sunday and the way they did the match last week, I guess it's like, let's remember when punk came back, the belief was, okay, he's getting this belt back because that was the original plan. And Moxley Mm -hmm. is keeping this belt warm for him. I will say like with all of this, I think you have created a more like balance between the two that you could go either way with it, with it, with these guys. Like, um, like it feels more of a, a less of a layup that punk is winning this. For me, the, again, I, I agree. Like last week was a big, big risk, and I, I, I still question it right now. You know, because for me, I personally don't necessarily feel like you know I, I, I'm as hot for CM Punk as I was maybe prior to you know everything this last week. But I think what they did manage to achieve was like you know set Punk up to be the underdog, uh, you know, chasing the the dominant champion, the guy who blew him away in three minutes' time. Um, 
he's going to you know be dominated you would assume throughout most of the match on sunday and then um it'll create a wonderful environment within chicago to want to see their hometown hero overcome this you know dominant monster of a man in john moxley so i think on sunday the match is is in very good shape um i though you know because I, this, I think they had to explain the foot stuff a bit more because like is that is he going and in weakened into this match? Yeah. Yeah. Or is he hundred percent? Well, it's a new hundred percent, which means um <laughs> I don't know. Either way, you know that they're gonna they have to. He didn't to sell it. Foot. It's not like he was limping on his way out. Right. It will come to play. I'm pretty confident of that. Whether it comes you I know, just think that aspect should have been explained a bit more clear yeah. of other than this. My new 100% is my right. new 100% as good as my old 100%. <laughs> For me, my bigger concern is like maybe some of the um, um, disingenuous dis- disingenuity of, of a CM Punk story and a promo that I personally never felt was there before that I suddenly felt today, you know, in them doing everything they did to try to set Punk up in this sympathetic role when um, – I think it was very much naturally there anyway with him coming off the layoff. But nonetheless, could that aspect be intentional? Um, you know, he, negative sentiment towards CM Punk is certainly not um, um, new, um, at least this week. And going forward after All Out, even though in Chicago... You may want he, him in a heel role after yeah. this weekend. Like, I think that that's where the money is with Punk now is that you have you pretty much turned him heel in, in the lead up to... Um, the, the Moxley match uh, last week and yeah. you knew this week you're in Chicago and post Chicago. Like, I don't think they will be upset if it's negative reactions for punk afterward. So, so that is the thing, you know, uh, for me watching this, not from Chicago, uh, all this Chicago Rara stuff. I'm really happy for the people that are there and that are from Chicago, but I'm cheering for Mox heading into this match. Uh, you know, and and I wonder. I have not seen much of the sentiment online. I wonder how much of the sentiment um, is shared with other people who are going into this, thinking about Mox as you know the guy who rightfully should be champion, and Punk, you know, getting an unwarranted second chance. And are they? If that is a negative sentiment towards CM Punk, number one, is that intentional? And number two, will they run with it afterwards? Uh, Taz was blown away by this. You could hear him on commentary. He just seemed to be in awe of this this entire thing. So this was the big segment on the show. And that's, I mean, they're banking on this idea to um, ramp up those those last minute, um, you know, the last minute interest for the, the pay-per-view on, on Sunday. I think, you know, it's a, it's a tall task when you're comparing this. If, if your barometer for success is last year's show, that's a it's a pretty steep hill to climb on Sunday. Yeah, it really shouldn't be your barometer for success. I mean, what what should be a more rightful barometer in your opinion? Like, um, I I would say if you're, here. you know, I I would still be looking for a number that's you know, topping like like one seventy five one one eighty. Like I'd still want to be aiming high. Like Punk and Moxley is a big big match for for mm-hmm. for this show. Um, but you know they. They went with like an interesting like going into the week of the pay-per-view, you did not have matches to promote with Punk, Moxley, Omega, the Bucks. Like all of that is figuring itself out this week. Like you still don't know, like Hangman facing the Bucks and Omega. You won't know that until Friday night. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm. 
I would say for the the vast majority of people that are dedicated to watching AEW, they're probably online and they can probably put the pieces together anyway. And for them, like it, it just very well be a last minute decision to order the show that I don't think it might affect them that much. But, you know, if, if the goal is to try to acquire a casual base, the same casual base that might have, you know, dipped in just to see CM Punk, but isn't necessarily watching AEW Rampage every single week. Is it the smartest strategy? We shall well. see. I would say, like, if you tuned in and I think you just saw the Moxley and and Punk promos on this show, I, I thought it was strong stuff over, overall to to kind of sell this thing for the last couple of days. Jim Ross did a, a rare sit-down interview where he was only going to conduct this interview if he insisted on no physicality between Jungle Boy and Christian Cage. I know sometimes we harp on, like, them the constantly pointing out the no physicality. This one, I think it was warranted and making sense because, I mean... They've tried to run each other over with cars. It does kind of yeah. uh, make sense to have <laughs> no that. running over each other with cars. Yeah, no, no attempted murder during this interview segment. And so Cage has the 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 brace on his shoulder uh, or on his elbow that uh, they state is not going to get any worse. But he's going into this match less than one hundred percent. Not a new one hundred percent, less than one hundred percent. Okay, so mm-hmm. I want to have I want to have breakdowns. Okay, of the tail of the tape and what percentage everyone is going into this show, and is it your new percentage or your old percentage, even if the numbers are the same? Bring in Scott Steiner to explain. Do you feel a hundred percent since you've come back? A new one hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Christian says that uh, Jim Ross signed him to his first deal and knows that he's a professional. Jungle Boy is not in my league. I'm going to make you a has-been at the age of 25. Jungle Boy says, I cared about you a lot. I loved you. And I felt like you loved me too. And this was probably the real you all along. Christian says, you're damn right. This was the real me all along. I'm here to make money and win titles, not to be a father figure for you. And Jungle Boy says that my father taught me how to be a man. And on Sunday, you're not wrestling Jungle Boy. You are fighting Jack Perry. Mm-hmm. I thought Jungle Boy was excellent here. Uh, both both were great, uh, yeah. but you know, for for Jungle Boy, like we've, we, he's had some good promos. He's also had some weak ones in this yep. lead up. I thought he sounded great here. Yeah, it's it's different, you know, comparing somebody going out there in front of a live crowd and and speaking at volume versus like in a in a closed off setting, very intimate, sitting on a chair talking to somebody in a pre tape, but as a presentation of like this version of Jungle Boy, I like this the most more than any of his, you know, in, in arena appearances because he 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 sounded confident. He sounded like himself rather than somebody playing professional wrestling speaker having to speak at a volume and reading pre-recorded lines or pre-written lines that he he was rehearsing multiple times in the back. Um and he had some really good material here to 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 talk about. The line about how, you know, my my relationship with you Christian was familiar in a lot of ways. That was like, I think, a really nice, clean way of, you know, saying that Christian was a father figure for him when he didn't have his real father around without explicitly stating it so. And then carrying on that that thread, ending with the Jack Perry line with his shoot name. Um, I thought he came across really well here. Wardlow and FTR versus Silas Young, Ren Jones and uh, Chicago area legend Vic Capri, who has been wrestling for like 24 years. Ice pick Vic Capri, which is pretty cool name well um he got the honors of taking the big rig and the powerbomb symphony and was pinned in two minutes by wardlow no is it 
that was it. So Wardlow and FTR going into their big match with Jay Lethal and the uh, the mysterious Motor City Machine Guns that we have not seen in any of the. I guess we saw Chris Sabin walk out on Rampage to uh, scout. Yeah, I mean, Alex Shelley has a real job, doesn't he? Yeah, he maybe couldn't get last Wednesday off. I hope he can get the pay per view off. I would hope so. Chicago yes. and Detroit aren't that far. Yeah, this is a. Uh, this just kind of feels it's going to be a good match. Like you got the machine guns and FTR in there, mm-hmm. Jay Lethal as well. It's going to be a good match. It, it just feels like when, when you're going up and down this card, it just sort of feels. FTR like, okay, should be in something much bigger, certainly yeah. much more meaningful. When you look at the year that they've had and mm-hmm. the comparison of these ROH shows, and then they're just like this. Just feels like we need a spot for FTR. This is it. This is the uh, the placement that they have. Mm-hmm. Moxley comes out once again, and he is totally booed here. If that's what your boy wants, that's what he'll get. He's going to go out on his shield in his hometown. We can do it one more time. Punk's going to need a miracle, and I'm going to take his head off. And he is going to put on a show of violence that CM Punk has never experienced, calling Punk a fake messiah, whereas I'm the real thing. Mm-hmm. Just swinging for the fences. Another great Love it from Moxley. So, I mean, he's he's positioning himself. He is going to be the big heel on, on Sunday. I think it'll still be split, personally. I mean, maybe be. not towards the end of the match, but um, I'm, I'll be that, fine. That's fine, though. That's fine. That That's – it mm-hmm. feels like it's going to be a big title match that we get on, on Sunday. Yeah. Shimani is – <laughs> this is the best. He's with Preston Vance and Evil Uno, and uh, Preston Vance – He's got the knee injury from Rampage. He won't be able to compete in the trios tournament on Friday. So Evil Uno is about to name himself the replacement. When Andrade and Jose come in, they try to they try to pay them off and they get turned down. So Andrade attacks Uno with Preston Vance's crutch and Jose, the translator, takes the stun gun and electrocutes Preston <laughs> Vance. This was the most absurd thing I've watched on wrestling. Hey, man, it's an upgrade from the iPad, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, it's a stun gun. <laughs> he traded in his iPad for a taser. He tased him. Yeah. So there you go. They're, uh, what are they going to do, eh? They're out, of, uh, they're out of members. I don't know. Do they know anybody else? Oh, my gosh. Was, uh, anyway, so uh, Dante Martin, Ray Phoenix, Wheeler Yuta, and Roosh. Had a, a four-way match here. Um, Dante and Phoenix uh, were tremendous together. Uh, Phoenix countered a... Uh, he, he set up for a gory special, and Dante countered with with the code red. Uh, then a Topicon hero bite by Phoenix onto Roosh. Uh, from there, Dante with a springboard Tornillo. And they did this move with Roosh. So Dante leaps off the top turnbuckle, and he comes crashing down as Roosh stands there, and he just headbutts him coming down. And he's fine. It's like, I would never try this. Like, if someone was, if you jumped off a roof at me way, and I just, like, held my head to block it, I feel I'm taking the damage on that one. Right, right. Um, well, he's got bull's horns. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I uh, don't know. Anyway, Dante goes for the nosedive. It's stopped by Yuta. Yuta goes to the top. He's knocked off by, by Phoenix. And then a springboard high cross to Roosh is hit by Phoenix. And it ends with Yuta back on top. Martin is down. He misses the stomp. And Dante gets rolled up with the seatbelt. Wheeler Yuta wins and uh, goes into our casino ladder match that will feature. Uh, let's bring up all, all the names that they have announced here. They have got, uh, well, these four. And then we've got... Claudio, uh, Penta, 
Andrade and the mystery Joker with the winner mm-hmm. getting a future AEW title match. And this is on the pay-per-view. This is on the pay-per-view. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. so let the, I let the rumor mill begin. Okay. Who's that Joker? Um, yeah, it can't be doubly Morrissey. Is it going to be, is it going to be someone new? Is it going to be MJF? Hmm. Is it going to be, um, uh, Billy Gunn? Junichiro Tenryu. Okay. That's your prediction. John Silver and Alex Reynolds are with Shivani. This is their biggest opportunity. They're willing to go go it alone. Two on three in the trios tournament. If only they had another Dark Order member. And uh, here in Chicago, boom, boom, in comes Colt Cabana. No, he was not here to, uh, to take the spot. Instead, it was Hangman Page who uh, entered, and he will be their partner. John Silver says, we just have to go get it cleared, and uh, Hangman Page will team with them on Friday. This is the biggest clearance, I think, in the history of, uh, you know, professional wrestling contracts. We like, cut to the graphic and <laughs> yeah. it was official. It was like, boom. Yeah. Was the table right there? You know, who, who, who was the Photoshop guy even to like, you know, put all this together? Like in, in, in quick no, Tony Khan was there. Export is JPEG immediately. He had, he had <laughs> it already. Right. He knew. He knew. <laughs> He's like, yeah. after, a, after a taser, we need, we need to have a, a, someone ready. Yeah. But I mean, Ex- you know, this, this all but. I think guarantees your your final here. You know, um, you really think Cassidy and best friends are going to the finals? <laughs> yeah, it only makes sense, right? No, um, yeah, no. Page meeting the Bucks and, and Omega at, at All Out that is a big draw. That is a wonderful match to to see. You know what will be interesting? You figure this will be the main event on Rampage, this trios match. So yeah. let's assume that Hangman and Silver and Reynolds they win as you mm-hmm. end, and boom, we start the countdown show. Are they going to have the countdown show with like the updated match? <laughs> yeah, they are. They have to. They In have another to. era, that would be that would be like oh the the expose of of the business. But yeah. I wonder how they handle it on the countdown show when it's like it is a live show on Friday, and then we go to our countdown show where you you that's the number two match on the show. Like that should be a heavy part of the countdown special. You're right. You're right. I, you know what? Maybe they won't because like you'll they'll, I, I doubt that they'll have like interviews recorded um, to put into like some sort of feature. Maybe it'll just be. I, a, I think a they actually should weigh. I know it. it's like logically it kind of is, is weird, but like the whole thing is like selling that story that yeah. it's hangman like that to me is like a huge story that I would want a countdown treatment for um, mm-hmm. regardless of how many people see it, because you're essentially doing like hangman with the elite on 48 hours notice. Mm-hmm. I wonder if like, you know, if in an ideal world, would you have had the final set up on a dynamite, for instance? Maybe? I would have liked if they had done the finals on, on tonight's show. Like, yeah. like instead of some of these other matches, like they could have bookended the, the show with that, uh, eliminate some of these, you know, middle middle matches that. But then you, you can't do the the dynamite bracket in the in the rampage bracket. Oh, do you think people would recover from that that reality? I think we'd be okay. That would be my thought. Excalibur, they were like, okay, uh, you need to plug rampage, uh, zero hour, the pay per view, and uh, we want to promote next week's dynamite too. So, dude, this poor guy. Uh, I'm not going through everything here, but Rampage has uh, the trio's semifinal, the Rampage final. QT Marshall against Ricky Starks. Sammy Guevara and Ty Mello against Ortiz and Ruby Soho in a, in a rematch. Mark Henry does a sit-down interview with Jade Cargill and Athena. And we will hear... They should do Mark Henry insists on physicality between them to build that one Ooh, up. Ooh, okay. Yes. We've heard enough talk. 
And then we will hear from Swerve in Our Glory and The Acclaimed, uh, which are on this card. Uh, Zero Hour will have three matches with Eddie Kingston against Tomohiro Ishii, Pac against Kip Sabian, and Hook versus Angelo Parker. And they did the deal on Dark, where Angelo Parker beat his opponent in 17 seconds quicker than Hook submitting Zach Clayton on Rampage. So Mm. anyway, it's Jesus Christ. You're getting Ishii and Kingston on the pre-show. I know and after, Pac and Sabian will be very good too. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, I mean, after all the drama with Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara, it turns out he he gets a match with Tomohiro. Like Tomohiro Ishii somehow is the benefactor of of that entire thing, and he gets to be on the show. So that do, is. Do a, you see Guevara being? I, I don't see him being the Joker. Like he doesn't no. seem like he would be a because he's not on the pay per view. I don't know, man. Like that's that's all such like weird drama. I mean, he he's on Rampage, right? Um doing yes. the um the intergender thing so i i would assume he has some presence but um in a significant role i i doesn't look to, look to be the case right now and then the main event the trio semi-final with will osprey and aussie open against kenny omega and the young bucks justin roberts intro for kenny omega was all the ways he is better than will osprey he sells more merchandise he's better looking he does more charity work than will osprey oh wow is that a fact is that a fact? I, well, I mean, I think I that's more know. more to state that Will Ospreay does a lot of charity, right? Like, isn't that just more of a way to promote that? I don't idea? know. I maybe we need a tale of the tape with their their physical percentage and then charity work as well mm-hmm. is, uh, is okay. uh, an attribute. Omega's in the compression shirt, and they the two of them start things off. Um, it's not too late into the match or early in the match that Osprey hits a sky twister press to all three on the floor, and they battle up to the entrance area. They build up to a tag later for Omega, and he's nailing snapdragons on Aussie Open, and Will skins the cat kicks Omega, and then goes for the Oz cutter. It's caught. Snapdragon and Osprey lands on his feet. Omega is sent to the floor, so Osprey goes for the space-flying tiger drop, landing on his feet, where Omega finally hits the Snapdragon on the floor. So, you know, t- taking it light before the, the pay-per-view on, on Sunday. And Will then tears off Omega's shirt, and you can see his ribs taped, his shoulder is taped, he's got, like, the marks from, like, the, the suction cup therapy. And Osprey just delivers backbreakers. We go through another break. Nick Jackson gets his hot tag. And this dude just goes, this is where I'm just like, part of me is like, you know, that scene in Saved by the Bell when Mr. Testaverde is reading out the, uh, the instructions and the, you get the smoke off of the paper from the pencils. No. That's, that's a dynamite main event for me. I think some okay. people will get that reference, but maybe not. So Nick is in. He hits a destroyer onto Osprey. Double face busters on Aussie Open. Satellite DDT to Will on the floor. And then his momentum stops with a 450 onto Osprey's knees. So uh, Will comes back with a snapdragon on Nick. And then he does the, the Omega pointing the gun when Omega gets into his face. And Will spins him into a sit-out powerbomb. They set him up for uh, Nick for a super Oz cutter. But Nick counters with his own cutter onto Will in midair. Uh, the Elite take over with a triple team, including a double super kick V-trigger, uh, but Mark Davis is in to save Fletcher. The Melter driver gets cut off by an Oz cutter, and then they reverse the position where it is Matt set up for a tombstone, and Will Ospreay comes off the top with what can only be described as the shooting five-star Melter. I like it. Okay. A uh, bit of a mouthful, but I mean, you know, that's, that's wrestling <laughs> these days. It, it, I don't know if it was as clean, 
like it was more of a head like him headbutting like his opponent's groin it was like to a, initiate the um there was contact made that was uh that's enough in a video game sense like whatever collision uh uh, uh detection aside like it, it it was spectacular yes they then they bounce Osprey off the ropes into an indie taker and from there, Fletcher is the legal man, and it comes down to Omega and Fletcher, V-Trigger, one-winged angel, and Omega pins Kyle Fletcher in 18 minutes and 54 seconds, sending the Bucks and Omega to the finals on Sunday. Fantastic main event, as you would expect. You know, um, much of it, of course, entirely built around a meeting between Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, something that's been built up online for uh, quite a while now, and it absolutely didn't disappoint. You had... Um, Osprey was on the floor after he's just staring like a like a hole through uh, Kenny Omega. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, from from there it uh, seems to be building up to a singles match. The crowd was simply electric anytime that they were in there, and that's also not discounting the other participants in this too. In Aussie Open and, and the Young Bucks, you had just a really f- like incredible athletic showcase for 18 straight minutes and uh coming out of it you your your appetite is only more wet for osprey versus um uh kenny omega i I, i've been really enjoying kenny omega's like slow kind of revealing of his injuries in this case you know having the compression shirt torn off to reveal pretty much every single bandage um an area that you could possibly bandage. You had the shoulder, you had the ribs, you had the suction cup treatment. He just like, you know, he just, he just told, told the makeup person to give him the works. And um, it's, it, it was a nice little bit of like storytelling uh, here, being able to like reveal somebody's vulnerabilities midway through a match simply by having their shirt taken off. So I, I continue to enjoy that, that aspect of the Kenny return. And that was dynamite, the go home show for all out on Sunday. Yeah, I, I have to say that like this was a bit of an unconventional build to this pay per view because you know the, of, of everything that they attempted so last minute with Mox versus Punk. To me, the jury's still out whether or not that was worthwhile and whether or not it was successful. Obviously, you know much of the conversation is about like oh, like you don't want to spike a rating for for last week's Dynamite. In your opinion, like what, was that a success? Let's just talk about that first of all. You know, putting a Mox versus Punk match on TV. Do you think it made a significant difference? Um, I think we'll have to look at. Does the match feel bigger for Sunday? I don't think it was a detriment. Was it a, a significant increase? I, I guess. I guess it can be debated. I. I think that coming out of it, it, it feels like a big match to me for for Sunday. Yeah, and um, it, it, I, I applaud them for trying something different, you know, and, and keeping the audience guessing about what the main event could be. Um, you know, it's again, does it does it take away casual interest by, by not having that extra week for somebody to, to really get excited by? I'm not sure, but we are getting ultimately what was promised, and uh, it's going to be pretty hot in Chicago on Sunday. The rest of the card is, um, do you want to go through it now, or, or do you want to wait till Friday? What do, what do you think, John? Uh, well, let's we, we don't have to do a big preview here, but let's just read off the, the card of what uh, is official now. So Moxley Punk for the title. Uh, House of Black against Miro, Darby, and Sting. Jade Cargill against Athena for the TBS title. Ricky Starks against Powerhouse Hobbs. Jungle Boy against Christian. Swerve in Our Glory against the Acclaimed for the tag titles. Danielson against Jericho. The Casino Ladder Match. The Interim Women's Title Match with Sheeta, Hayter, Britt Baker, and Tony Storm. Wardlow and FTR against Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns and the Elite against 
to be determined in the tournament finals for the trios titles, along with the three matches we mentioned for the buy-in. So 14 matches in total. I'm really looking forward to Mox versus Punk, of course. But, you know, like you mentioned, maybe second from the top in my interest is now going to be Kenny Omega and the Bucks taking on possibly Hangman Page and the Dark Order um, and all the storytelling that they, that they might do there. Um, everything else, I'm sure, will be good. I don't necessarily feel like any of it, though, has me that much more excited than a typical Dynamite main, like, main event, for instance. Um, I, I feel like there's a lot on this card. I think it's going to be a spectacular show. Um, yeah, I, I, I I don't know. I, to me, are are you looking at this more in just in terms of the like enjoyment of the show versus like, um, I'm thinking about appeal of the show. Well, I'm thinking about like, when I think of AEW pay-per-views, I think of them as like ways that are, um, definitive conclusions to feuds. And I don't know how many of those you have here. I think, you know, Jungle Boy and Christian, they've, they've obviously spent a lot of time to build that up. So I'll, I'll say that that that's one of those. Ricky Starks and Hobbs. Um, and then, you know, the women's ma- uh, match, unfortunately, is, is what it is due to circumstance. Uh, the FTR thing just kind of, to me, you know, it, it feels like it's just a way to cram them on the show. Um, yeah, I mean, it... It's 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 fine, I'm sure. Um, but I, I, maybe I'm just not as excited as like you know prior, um, maybe bigger big AEW events. Yeah, I I think it's 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 one where I feel like the night of the show. It's I, th- I think this is going to be a, a very strong show. Um, I always look at th- these shows, and you know this is always proven wrong when we go to these AEW shows. It's just the the idea of like just so much on this card. But these are pay per views that typically it's like that audience fatigue is is not a thing for these these, these pay per views typically. Like sometimes you'll, you'll get a dip here and there, but it's it's not as though it's uh, uh, crowds that are exhausted uh, by the end of them. And I'm imagining you're going to be ending like that last hour. I'm imagining it, between Moxley punk and maybe the trios being your last two matches. Uh, those are going to be, you know, pretty much the, the emotional high points of, of the show, especially if you're doing something significant with like the hangman stuff with, with the elite, uh, whichever way that goes. And then the main event itself, I think that will be uh, probably the hottest match on the show you would you would hope certainly with how much like this is one where sometimes we look at these shows and it's oh there's there's several matches that are dr- drawing this this one has a definitive main event that has been built above everything else mm-hmm. all right well maybe we'll go a little bit more into it on uh on rewind to smackdown but let's get to uh some super chats if there are any yeah uh i could man them john we go to kevin anderson who sends five dollars just to say, because we're just getting started, all hail Papa Ting. Thank you so much, Kevin, for the uh, support there. We get a, the EVP of Talent Relations, head of creative, who sends $2 to say, kept you waiting, huh? Yes, that is my name. It is also uh, the same thing as a popular word in the English language. So thank you, EVP, for the support. We got a Samuel Uhe who sends $5. I hope I said that right. Who says, great to see you back away. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. And finally, we got a Hansi who sends $7 to say, do you guys think that there's a chance MJF is the Joker? Congrats to Way, to you and your wife. Like Sino said, Oscar Way. It's possible. Um, you, you could do that. that. That's one way to 
to bring him back. Um, I, I wouldn't have him coming in and working like an entire match. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not crazy about that idea. It's 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 a way to bring him back and justifies him having a a title match. But um, I, I think it would have to be something where it's you know you almost have this mystery person the whole match and then he sneaks in at the end to get it and then it's like the audience is almost like they're focused on who's going to be the mystery rather than the match itself. I think an MJF win in the ladder match will kind of telegraph a Punk win. So I don't know if they maybe that's overthinking it, but I. I think if you're Tony Khan, you're probably an overthinker. <laughs> um, I also feel like MJF is coming in with so much like um, work to shoot realism that I think the way he left was so like, what the fuck? I don't think he should be coming in as part of like a wrestling device that's clearly yeah. scripted. This doesn't feel you know? like a, a big enough return for him to be a joker in a ladder match. Agreed. Yeah. So I, I lean more against it. Okay, let's go to uh, forum.postwrestling.com. We start off with uh, Saeed. Did Excalibur just beat his own record by reading off matches for four different nights in record speed? Uh, match of the night for me was the Fatal 4-Way. Dante was impressive. Maybe it was just a TV feed, but it sounded like the pop for FTR was louder than Punk. Uh, I don't know. By the end of that Punk promo, it was, it was pretty deafening in that building. I don't know if we, if we mentioned it or not, but next week's uh, Dynamite in Buffalo, they did announce Daniel Garcia challenging Wheeler Yuta for the pure title. So that is mm-hmm. uh, uh, the big match for Daniel Garcia in his hometown. We got a Jesse from the six, who I believe will also be in Buffalo. Jesse says they really crafted a big, great babyface comeback story in which the hero showed genuine vulnerability, but is determined to overcome his obstacles and compete for the city he loves. Unfortunately, Phil Brooks is so petulant and unprofessional that fans thought he was planning a heel turn two weeks ago, but it was just his inherent disagreeability shining through. All Out looks like a great card, but I'm not really looking forward to the main event. I really hope the trio's final is a showpiece for Hangman. When Punk won the title, I wrote that I feared that Hangman would be relegated to being a background player. Sometimes it's a curse being right all the time, you know? Take care. Congrats, Way. Um, Well, thank you, Jesse. But um, I don't... I don't know if Hangman is being relegated to a background player, like for long. You know, like this Not on to this me. Pay-per-view. Yeah, like he's a central piece of of this trios match, and then I am confident that they will follow up on Hangman and Punk. You know, um, just given the the real world buzz that's out there and and the matches that people want to see. Uh, let's continue on. We have a few here. Uh, Hernice from New York City. Um, Confused booking is all heck. Was last week just to give Moxley his moment, or do they really think that Punk will lose in Chicago? I don't. I sense Punk winning, but MJF closing the show over Punk. Moxley was pissed when they cut him early on his promo. Wardlow's booking since winning the title is another confusing one. Back-to-back appearances of squash matches that is not needed from your TNT champion. And he mentions uh, the guy with the post-wrestling hat in the front row. I did not see That's that. Scrump. Oh, okay. That was Scrump. You can always count on Scrump in, in Chicago of to, course. to yes. show us some love. So thank you, Scrump. Yeah. Um, okay. So Wardlow, I, uh, do you, what do you think? I think there's a lot of momentum that is stalled with him and um, mm-hmm. that he's sort of in a holding pattern to me. And that's, that's been the case. I think since he, since he won the, the TNT title, like I don't, I think they're, they're in a spot where this, this formula, it's enough, but I think we're also at the point where it's, kind of overdue of him advancing past just 
the guy that comes out and power bombs people. It's it's sorry. It he almost, could be doing this without the title. I don't think he needs the title to be doing what what he's been doing these last few months. Much like they they would do with you know like an Omos or like you know a very green uh, giant that's that's just coming in that you want to protect. It almost feels like they're they're shy and and hesitant to give Wardlow anything more than you know a two minute three minute squash for fear that he won't get over. Um, and I think the audience is starting to see through that. I don't think his promos have been that great. Um, I know a lot of people will look towards like the MJF sort of like situation as taking away uh, from some of the glory of that moment. But I think so much of it is the follow up or lack thereof and maybe just kind of his own limitations starting to shine through as well. So uh, I'm in agreement. You know, I, I, I would have thought that he would have been further along by this point. Uh, you or me? Uh, you're up. Okay, we got a Cody from Maine who says, Tonight's go-home show really landed for me. I was already excited for All Out despite the unorthodox twists and turns during the buildup. But with the card now all but locked in, I think it would be tough for even the most critical of AEW fans to not be excited for the show. And after tonight, I can't wait to see what the atmosphere will be like for the main event. Tonight was not the clear-cut hometown reception that Punk usually receives. And that can make for a very interesting dynamic on Sunday if replicated. I'm looking forward to the coverage this weekend. And welcome back. Thank you. Okay, let's uh, continue on with Derek from Calgary. Fun episode tonight. I'm loving the Jericho Danielson Garcia story. Two of the best wrestlers in the world are feuding, and the whole story revolves around younger talent. I was cringing at the start of the punk promo, waiting for the inevitable swerve of punk signing up for his rematch, but the way they used Ace Steel was some fantastic storytelling. Gave me goosebumps. The trio's match split my mind in half, and I'm loving the seeds being planted for Osprey versus Kenny Omega. And he also welcomes back waiting. And he thanks you for the Michael Langsberg interview, which patrons can... Probably find it right now in their feed. It is, it is up there right now for cafe members. If you want to go check it out Friday for everybody else. We got a Wolfman who says the Garcia Jericho identity conflict is delicious. It is like a coming out of the closet story, but within a pro wrestling context, we as the audience just want the moment where Daniel stands up to his overbearing sports entertainment father and admits that he is a pro wrestler. Be brave, Danny. You're a wrestler. <laughs> I'm glad Hangman joined the Dark Order in the end. He was teasing joining the Bucks, but that would not have made sense considering their betrayal of him, and Hangman would have looked like an a-hole if he did. I really want the Dark Order to take the trio's titles. Garcia really should win this pure championship that he has to walk around Jericho and show him like the pure championship. As a way to... What? Here's the guy that's like, you're in the sports entertainment group and you are now the pure champion. You are mm-hmm. representing like the most technical of wrestling championships that honor like this, this specific. Brand I mean, I, I always thought that was the irony in having Daniel Garcia be a part of the group in the first place. Like he, he already has such a reputation for being so legitimate. Well, Garcia winning in Buffalo next week. I think it's a pretty easy decision to make. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, next up, we go to Chris in Ottawa. Uh, First, the taser spot on tonight's Dynamite was historic. Electrocution in pro wrestling is typically way overdone, like Sergeant Slaughter or Goldberg. Preston Vance's performance tonight was the complete opposite, and I really appreciated that. And, uh, oh, look at this. He has already listened to the Michael Landsberg interview, and he says it is outstanding. So there you go. Uh, Off the record was appointment viewing for our generation of Canadian wrestling fans, and I found this interview to be a passing of the torch. I don't know about that. Uh, Well, there you you have it. Thank you very much, Chris. Man, I can't wait to check this out. Look at all this buzz for this. I didn't think anyone would have listened to it by now. It's only Uh, been up for like an hour or two. uh, So that means he wasn't listening to to this podcast, huh? I I guess not. He caught him. You know, he can maybe, maybe, I mean. You got to be listening to everything all at once. Okay. One in each. He could be. Maybe he was just listening to both. 
True. All right. Megan says Dynamite made great use of Ace Steel being the Mickey to Punk's Rocky Balboa, motivating him to accept the rematch versus Moxley. I was a little apprehensive about burning the match through on TV last week, but the promos from both Punk and Mox did enough to sell me on it. The Garcia JAS story is reaching its apex, and I bet Garcia will stop running running from what he really is. Daniel could give him the nudge on Sunday. I mean, just the idea that they built up enough drama here for a guy having to decide between whether he's a pro wrestler or a sports entertainer for the audience to to, to bite like this is very amusing to me. AJ from Pennsylvania. Uh, congratulations, Way. Hope you're enjoying every second of it. Hardest part isn't the kid. It's your parents. Good luck navigating those waters, my friend. Dynamite was a great show with the highlight for me having a show-long angle to build to the main event. With today's attention spans, announcing the match four days out gives plenty of time to promote. Curious to hear your thoughts on the de- on debuting Morrissey on a go-home show. Seems out of Who's that? You mean what? W. Morrissey? Yes, W. Morrissey. Um yeah, I mean, we we went over it, bit bit of an odd fit, but they obviously have their reason for doing it tonight. I mean, maybe he gets involved somewhere over the weekend. Listen, a faction can always use, you know, like sort of like your big muscle centerpiece and seems like Morrissey will be that for whatever Stokely Hathaway is figuring out. We get a Cade who says, I don't know anything about Ace Steel, but I'm definitely going to remember his contribution to this feud for as long as I remember anything, which admittedly is less than it used to be. I think the big Chicago proud element of Punk's promo confirms him as a babyface this weekend, but quite possibly a heel in every other city. So that that that, that is the most interesting aspect of it all, Kate. And thank you for pointing that out. Like I'm, I'm very curious to know if the intent of this weekend will be to temporarily have Punk be a babyface, but him hated um, by people watching elsewhere. Because I don't know the sentiment I got watching it tonight was uh, me wanting to cheer for Mox as a rightful champion. She goes on to say, Stokely Hathaway, stable of the guns, Moriarty, and now Morrissey does follow the pattern of AEW groups with a big guy, a bit tag team, a mid-card single, and a major single star, which would mean there's room for more. I'd say MGF, but putting him with Stokely in the same group seems like a waste. I saw somebody float the idea of Eddie as the surprise entrant in the ladder match, setting up a title shot for Arthur Ashe. It might be a good swerve without relying on the need for a big debut, although I think it still might be Osprey. All right. Um, next up, let's go to Jake from the Windy City. <laughs> Sorry, the post right above it. Is somebody bringing their baby to this show where CM Punk oh my God. happened to stop in mid-celebration in the crowd? They totally. held up their baby. That's a very young baby. Yeah. That's a very young Maybe baby. I'll, I'll bring mine next week. Okay, Jake White, just wanted to give the live perspective. Uh, It was electric live, killer promos. I have enjoyed Mox's title run right now. I don't want it to come to an end, but hey, if Ace Steel didn't get you pumped, I don't know what to tell you. And seeing the crowd roaring with punk was just magic to see. The acclaimed best friends, Cassidy, got huge pops for us for elevation after the show. Main event got us all on our feet. It was one of the best main events I've seen in a while. Extended United Empire beatdown of the elite after the show went off the air. Incredible main event and great episode of Dynamite live. Cool. There you have it. All right. That's all your feedback. So thanks to everybody for uh, for sending in your thoughts, your questions, your well wishes for Mr. Waiting. And that's going to bring an end to Rewind to Dynamite. So, yes, if you have not caught it yet, uh, Post Wrestling Cafe members, you can go check it out. Michael Landsberg chatting with yours truly for about 45 minutes. And then that will be out for everybody this coming Friday. Uh, but on Thursday, check out MCU Later. 
as episode three of She-Hulk will be will be covered uh, for cafe members. So look forward to all of that. And then Way and I are back Friday night with Rewind to SmackDown, chatting SmackDown, chatting Rampage, and we'll do uh, maybe a condensed weekend preview of uh, what is coming up because there is a lot, a lot of professional wrestling and we will have you covered for all of it. Yeah, again, to get all of those shows plus this Saturday's Clash of the Ca- Clash at the Castle post show, sign up at postwrestlingcafe.com. It is the best place to support all of our work, and we give you some bonus content to go along with it, including the entire archive of bonus shows that we've had out there, including a review of every single G1 climax that just took place and more. Postwrestlingcafe.com, $6 gets you in the door and it helps support post wrestling as well. So uh, consider joining. And that is going to wrap things up. Thank you for watching Rewind to Dynamite.